It's a perhaps unpopular opinion in the insurance business, but I'm not a fan of doing business with your friends. I like to keep my friends and my family, well, my friends and my family, in case anything would ever go south. It gets a little bit more complicated, I won't lie, when your clients become your friends. And that is exactly what happened with my guest this week on the podcast. Once upon a time, I sold business insurance. It was a bit of a side hustle as I was building my consulting practice, which grew to the point that I needed to make a choice and I chose the consulting work. But as I was growing my business, I was hanging out with some really cool women. And at the end of the day, if I had to describe who my ideal client was, it was a woman who was essentially me. She was scaling a business that she started because of an experience that wasn't fulfilling for her in the corporate world. And that's exactly what Andrea does. She's a career coach. She's so smart. She's so eloquent. Her own personal story is so fascinating. And what she's going to share with us here is as well. And I don't know. I don't know how to answer the the what do you do when your clients become your friends question. But um, I'm really glad Andrea is no longer my client and that now she's she's just my friend and a really cool woman out there in the world doing really cool stuff. Let's do it. Off we go. I am Meg McKean and this is Bound and Determined. Andrea, it is the way we know each other is not in this season of life. And I just love that through all the iterations, like I've wanted you on the podcast from the minute I met you. And then I was like, but why? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Like, how am I going to, how am I going to make her fit into what we're doing here? And then your business is growing and changing. My business is growing and changing. The job market is changing. People's beliefs about life and work are changing. And yeah, here we are in this beautiful moment, getting to have this it. conversation. Yes, <laughs> me too. So for, for context for the listener, um, Andrea and I first met because she was a client of mine when I was actively selling insurance. I helped her to put together a business insurance plan for her brand new coaching practice. And I mean, I'm not allowed to say that I have a favorite. I'm not a parent, but I've heard many parent types say like, you don't have a favorite kid, but you kind of secretly do. And um, Andrea has always been that for me as an insurance client. She's not my client anymore, but you were always so proactive and so prepared. Nobody, (laughs) nobody calls their insurance agent to ask how to pay. Doesn't, it doesn't happen in our business. And I so appreciated knowing that about you in that season of your life. But now I see how that shows up for your clients. And fortunately through other relationships that Andrea has and that I have, she's been able to really plug in specifically to the insurance community, which just warms my little heart um, because we need you. And specifically the women in the industry need you. So I'm grateful that you're here and there, frankly, because I I just think for a million reasons, the timing is so right for us to keep figuring out ways to work oh together gosh. and support each other. Wow. What an, what an intro. And I literally have goosebumps. So, and Meg, like we just shared, I guess, off record, I forget that that's how we met, that I was once your client because we have developed this amazing, awesome friendship and business relationship. And you said it perfectly. And it's been such an amazing opportunity in my life to get to know you. And so thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. And um, our knowing one another happened in Chicago, but neither of us are there anymore. Obviously I'm off on my, yeah, my (laughs) nomad adventure and you and your husband relocated to Utah, Salt Lake City specifically in the last six months. So we're, we are women on the move, but thankful to have, yes, a business relationship, but you are just one of my dearest friends. I just, 
for anybody out in the world growing a small business alone, there's nothing you, you just absolutely have to have those relationships. You do. And thank you. And I have to say, you guys, we're having a love fest over here. So thanks for listening while we do this. Um, but I have to say, Meg, you have been the epitome of a woman who supports other women. And you have been there literally from day one as my insurance agent and now as my friend and one of my biggest cheerleaders. You have kept me going in my own business when I have wanted to say, oh, this is really hard, Meg. You you pushed me to keep going because we know this is what we were meant to be doing. So thank you. And I have to say that for people listening, that Meg is really that gem of a human and she really does support women authentically and in such a real way. Oh, you're the best. You, you fill me up and I'm going to, my mother always says when someone pays you a compliment, just accept it. Don't, don't apologize. Don't diminish it. So thank you. Thank you for being my friend and thank you for being here. So let's, let's get into it. Yes. Um, how did Andrea get to be Andrea career coach? How did we get here? Andrea did not ever planned to be this version of a professional. So anyone who's listening, this is a story and real life tale of a woman who broke out of a stereotype and of an expectation from her family, from herself, and just blew it up in the best way possible. So um, it's the core of who I am. I'm a first generation woman. My parents are from the Caribbean. And so anyone who's listening, if you're a first gen or, or not, many of you understand the expectation of being in a certain profession. So I was expected to be a doctor because that was what made my parents feel comfortable and safe. And so I pursued my path that way for a little while, went to college, but that path set before me and quickly realized that was not how I was supposed to support people in this world. I always knew I was a helper, but I knew that that was not the right way. And so I thought, you know, I can't spend 30, 40 years in a profession that's just not me. So I found my way into other things and then got my master's degree in business psychology. And then much like we're experiencing now, I stepped out of that degree in 2008 during the Great Recession. So I found myself in a situation where I had to pivot immediately. And unbeknownst to me at the time, my me changing my path in college was my first career pivot. And then exiting with my master's degree was my second of now what has been six. So I have taken the very curvy up and down, backwards, inside out path to develop a career. And through all of that, I was my own career coach for a while. Um, I had to figure out what that meant, you know, where, what space did I want to play in? Where did I want to be? What were my skill sets? And that was met often with being a young minority woman in a room full of white men and having to forge a path. And I stepped out of that. I was laid off in 2019. And I was newly married and I told my husband of 30 days, I was not going back to a regular job and that I was finally going to step into what was my calling. For 15 years at that point, I had been coaching informally, informally, developing my staff, developing my teams, what, you know, help my teams get promoted and move into jobs that they really wanted, you know, what they would call their wish list job. And I thought, you know what, it's time to do this for for others and do this on a bigger scale. So I had never known the word entrepreneur um, and that word entered my vocabulary. And 30 days after we got married, I talked to my career coach. I had at that point hired a career coach and she'd been with me for a number of years at that point and said, hey, I'm finally going to do this. And she said, well, hey, I think you finally should. <laughs> um, and that was that. I was laid off and filed the LLC 90 days later. 
and here I am. And now I am so fortunate to help women who are knocking on the door of leadership or already in leadership roles really develop and figure out what they want next for their careers. I love it. And I'm glad I agree with that career coach that you had who said (laughs) with love, it's about time, right? Sometimes um, we're the last people to see what so many others see before us. I love that. I did a bit of loose research, i.e. Googling um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) before we hopped on. I know there's a lot of people looking. There's a lot of people, if you're on LinkedIn at all, you see every day people are making job changes and we've got quiet quitting and we've got the great resignation and the great reset and the reshuffle and kind of call it what you want. There's just a lot of people in transition right now. And I read on the low end, 44% on the high end, 65% of people are actively considering a job change and that the average age of that individual is 39. And I don't have specific demographic data for the podcast listener, but I highly suspect she's um, 35 to 50, I would say, and is likely, I mean, I would say 90% of listeners to of this podcast are considering a change for a lot of the reasons that we talk about. We're burnt out. There's a misalignment of values, work, and life look very different today than they ever have. You and I are coaches. We coach in different ways, but one of the things I take so seriously is the confidentiality of my relationship with my client. Nothing they tell me I would ever share in a form like this or in in the world. But there are commonalities. The more time we spend one-on-one working with people, you realize just how similar a lot of the struggles are. And so obviously with respect to your clients and Mm -hmm. the relationship with you have, what are you hearing? When a woman is reaching out to you and she's thinking about working (laughs) with you, what's going on in her mind and in her life? Oh my gosh. So, so many things. And I want to say, I agree with you, of course, as a coach, I will not share names or, you know, specific information, but there are absolutely common themes and frustrations and desires for women globally. So I've had the pleasure of working with women all over the world and the sentiment of burnout and wanting better pay, wanting to be seen, having flexible hours, having a career that supports your life and supports you as a person. That's what I hear over and over and over again and different different ways, but that is the core of it. And I actually just spoke to a woman yesterday who's in Switzerland and expressed this exact same sentiment. And she was blown away with the fact of, you know, American women are feeling the exact same way as her. And she felt so seen and so understood. So those are the main things that I want to say, women feeling this way, we've been burnt out. We've been exhausted. We've been wanting more, wanting different forever. This isn't new. What's new is the last three years have really irrevocably changed the landscape, right? In in every way. So we are now awake to the things that we want, what we don't want, um, the demands that we're making. And now there's a really amazing intersection of professionalism and careers and women meeting and hopefully asking for what they need and speaking up for that. So That's what I hear is that that intersection colliding and women raising their hand finally and saying, hey, I am exhausted. I'm tired of not getting seen. I'm tired of not getting paid. I'm tired of not being having flexibility. I'm tired of men telling me what to do. (laughs) Male identifier, male, you know, telling me what to do. I want different. I want more and I deserve that. So that's what I hear over and over again. 
It makes total sense. I mean, these are, <laughs> yes, these are the conversations, right. That we're having with our girlfriends over a, a glass That's of wine or a, a yes. virtual zoom chat. Um, so one of the things I heard you say is, is salary and compensation. What that reminds me is that not everybody's considering a total job overhaul or a career mm-hmm. pivot. Some people right. just, and I won't say just want to be compensated in a way that values their work and their contribution. That's huge. And I would think yeah. if, if we had that feeling of acceptance and recognition, a lot of people wouldn't perhaps be on the hunt for a new job if they felt like they were being valued where they are. I won't ask you to share all your secrets, but is that happening out there in the marketplace right now? Yes, absolutely. And I just want to um, kind of circle back to what you shared at the beginning was we're talking to women in transition. So I just want to clarify that to your point, transition does mean these different things. It could be that you're in a job that you're you're okay with, or that is great for the season of life that you're in. And then transition is you want to ask for more pay, or you want to get out completely and make a complete um, career change and want to change industries. You want to change titles. So transition can mean a lot of different things. And as a woman and as a coach, I have experienced all of those. And so I do help women um, navigate each of those types of transitions or all of the transitions. So yes, I have recently coached my clients to ask for more. Um, All of my clients who come to work with me, we are setting them up for more pay. So they're in a job, they're either getting promoted or they're changing jobs and titles and we're setting them up for more pay. And there's a lot of things to consider. With that, I would say the biggest piece of advice is, as Meg shared, ask questions, talk to your girlfriends, talk to your network because men do this. Men have always had a way to do this. And I'm talking about the, you know, the old boys club here when I say this. So the golfing, the let's go have brandy, let's go drink, let's go do these things. That is their way of talking to each other and sharing secrets, if you will, about what do you get paid? What are you doing? How did you get there? How did you get that job? Women have not really had those opportunities until recently, but we have, well, we haven't had those professionally, I should say. We've had them socially. What I want women to do is create that intersection and ask each other about money. We talk about money all the time as friends. Oh, Meg, what did you pay for those shoes? Where'd you get that blouse? What did you do? But we don't talk about money in terms of our career. So I would really, really strongly advise women to talk to their friends, talk to trusted colleagues, mentors, coaches, and ask about money. That's how you will get real raw salary data from women that are working in the roles that you want or that you are going for and can get information. Oh, it's so brilliant, <laughs> but it's but it's hard. It's so taboo, right? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us have been programmed, if you will, that, that that's off the table. You don't talk about money and you don't talk right. about finances to the extent that a lot of people don't talk about it in personal relationships and romantic right. relationships that right. where there's so much that's stigma. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah, <laughs> right. And so I'm with you. To, and I'm not saying we should take out ads online and put up billboards and say, this is how much money I make. But there's a lot of people in our business doing the same job. That's one of the things about insurance. You are an underwriter and yes, you can have more experience or a different expertise. You could be a claims adjuster, but at the end of the day, this information isn't that it's, it's pretty homogenous, frankly. Yeah. And so hanging out in these spaces that are safe and where people are willing to be a little bit vulnerable for the benefit of everyone to say, yeah, I think you're underpaid by 25% or 
And I just saw this play out with a woman in my network. She did her homework. She went and did her research, approached her boss, gave him time, didn't bombard him, didn't storm in his office and say, we need to talk, but respected his time and his energy and made a great presentation. And she ended up getting the raise and awesome. Right. But like, how much are we leaving on the table by not asking? Exactly. You know, let's do our research. Let's get the data. Let's really understand the landscape before we make the ask. But the important thing is you ask, because if you don't, then there's no opportunity to, to get the money. What else are you seeing? Anything else comp related or where's work-life balance? Ha ha ha. Where is that fitting in to these conversations? So I think that's probably one of the hottest topics, if you will, and really how that's being offered. Is it not being offered? What does that look like? All the different flavors we're seeing from companies. So the biggest thing I hear from, from women is that is I want flexibility and it's flexibility. It's not so they can, they, they want to, but it's not so they can go take a luxurious vacation or to, you know, do something like that. It's they want to be present. They want to be present in their life with their family, with their children, with their loved ones. And for themselves, really, you know, we're all pulled in a 5 million directions every given day, and they want a little more space to breathe and have space to turn off at the end of the day, put work aside, or in the middle of the day, right? They want time to flex their life and do their life. You know, I really the the outdated version of you're an employee and you work nine to five, I think isn't, as I just said, it's outdated in my opinion, and really smart companies that are going to move forward and have top female talent are going to be flexible in different ways. The workday can be 10 to three and people get their work done, right? They treat people like adults. They, you know, there's a mutual agreement and um, trust there that has been built that people are doing what they say they're going to do from the employer and the employee side. But that is the crux of it is flexibility to do your life and not just be an employee. Yeah, we're still nine to five. And this is- I'll be candid and say like when Andrea and I connected and I, and I kept thinking about like, how can I continue to open doors for you? And because what you're doing is so valuable and so timely. And then I was like, oh, but insurance is like, you've been in healthcare (laughs) and you've been in tech and like you've been in all these very progressive industries and insurance. It's like 1996 in the insurance industry. And I say that with affection, but also grave concern because- I, another statistic, I don't usually do stats on the podcast because I'm not a, <laughs> a huge stat gal, but this one blew my mind. 2025, so three years from now, essentially, mm-hmm. 60% of the workforce will be Gen Z and millennials. Wow. That, have you heard, heard that. that? I have not heard that, but that makes sense. Right. So, but like, let that sink in. Again. Like, <laughs> I think perhaps, I, I don't think, I know, I see it. I see insurance companies making broad sweeping statements about you have to return to the office and it has to be full-time or you can be hybrid, but you have to be in the office on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I mean, and it's it's flexible on the outside, but it's not flexible from the employee's perspective. Some of yes. these arrangements don't, they don't really mirror what the employee is actually asking for. This isn't I just want a different view out the window two days a week. This is to your point. <laughs> right. I want to be able to not use aftercare at school three days a week. And I want to be able to not have to get on an 8 a.m. Monday morning sales meeting so that I can get my kids on the school bus. And I think 
Yeah. It's shifting. And I'm, I'm really hard on the industry. And I'd like to say it's because I love it so much, but some days I don't, frankly, I'm hard on the industry. That's just how it is. That's how how I roll. Yeah. But so many of the, the processes and the ways that we do things in the industry were not, they were not precedents that were set with women in mind. And they, they don't speak to a working mother. They don't speak to um, a woman who chooses to be an engaged partner to her spouse. Like it, there's a lot about the industry that still in many ways functions like it's 1950. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't really have a question. It's more of an observation. And I, I hear what you're hearing from your clients and from those that you're helping and none of the requests are unreasonable. And I'm just amazed when I hear that companies dig their heels in on this stuff that like, yikes. It blows my mind. I just want to offer, and I didn't show this with my background, but um, I did work in healthcare for almost eight years. And while I appreciate the sentiment that they might be progressive, for the most part, in my experience, healthcare is not mm-hmm. um, in the traditional sense. You know, I worked for a very large national healthcare system And it's not, you know, putting them down in any way, but like many industries or all industries that we know of, right, they're established by men. And so that, and about to go too far into my, my TED talk about the system and the organism and how um, it is biased inherently, um, but it was not built for women, you know, insurance, nor healthcare, nor so many industries. And so we're trying to undo processes and behaviors, right? And policies that are so deeply ingrained that just don't inherently support a role of a woman and what the expectation is and what their responsibilities are. So when women, and I just read an art McKinsey and I'm drawing a blank on the other company. So I apologize for not giving them credits, but they just did a report on the gap in female talent and leadership that is happening right now. Um, and the, and the effect this will have to your point, because Gen Z women and younger are now coming in to the workplace and they will not accept less than they will not. And so if companies don't really start to adapt to this new way of life for everyone, not just women, there's going to be a massive shortage of female talents across industries because they are going to have less tolerance for the lack of flexibility that that we need in the workplace. So, which is really powerful and also frightening because I don't know when that balance will be created. Um, And I unfortunately have, and I was just gonna say, I think there's an exception. There have been no exceptions of female clients that I've had this year that are experiencing this balance. They all have an imbalance in their life and their employers are not supporting their flexibility, their role as a spouse, as a mother, as a partner, as a caretaker, um, and they need that. So, so that's, so that's a hundred percent. I'm hearing you say to throw another <laughs> number out there. Yikes. So you are a well balanced human being. Like you have a beautiful way of seeing the black and white, but also like being okay with the gray. Do you think they're being unreasonable? These women, do you think no. that what they're expecting is, is at all off base or impractical? I do not because here's why one, I also am a former HR business partner. And I've been on the other side of the table, right? So I've been in the seat to make decisions for a team, for employees who are working in an organization and to understand how it impacts their life. So I do not think they're being unreasonable, especially with the massive awakening 
maybe you could call it that many of us had in the last three years. You know, I had the health crisis and so many other things happened in the world that really shook all of us to our core and really finally let us do the hard work of prioritizing what really needs to be prioritized in our world. So no, I don't think, and many of them are looking for, again, balance, meaning what, for example, one client, she is a newly single mother. She stepped out of a toxic relationship and made that choice while we were working together and is supporting her two children under the age of five, right? So she's in a job where she has a team that is stretched thin. She is one of one of the only, you know, women on her team and the demands of her job are a lot. And, you know, and she literally just wants the flexibility to drop off her kids at school and start work at 930 instead of nine. That's not, that's not unreasonable, right? I have another client who she is a senior leader in a very large global pharmaceutical company. She is the caretaker for her elderly mother and she just needs a lot and needs a little bit more flexibility in her job to take care of her mother, right? And not have, again, the flexibility and time to do things. So it's really not unreasonable. These women want to be present in their career and be successful and have growth and have impact. And they also want to be a person outside of their job. So those are just two examples. Um, but no, I don't think it's unreasonable. And that's the majority of what women are asking for. Yeah. <laughs> they're, again, they're not asking to take lavish vacations and step out of their jobs for weeks on end. They're asking to have balance to be a human who has a career. And I think those who are, or who are trying to take advantage of the system, right? Like they yeah. kind of self-select even from afar, you can kind of pick out the ones that bought the little gizmo on Amazon that makes your mouse move on its own. All so right. it looks like you're logged in. <laughs> okay. I'm going to tell on myself, I was that person, you guys, five years ago, that was me. <laughs> I mean, and I'm guessing even if they didn't know that it existed, now the listeners do, and some are going to yeah. go off to Amazon to buy it because a lot of that expectation is you have a butt, there is a seat, therefore we need to see your butt in that seat, or you are not providing value. And we learned a lot in the last couple of years about where work fits in our lives and what work looks like. And obviously I went through my own journey to get here. You have yes. as well. And interestingly, we both serve corporate America, mm-hmm. but for our own reasons, had to choose to exit that particular yes. system in order to find the right balance and the right peace, frankly, the right... Yeah. I was very unhealthy there towards the end and I was not being kind to my body and I was not being kind to my brain and my spirituality. And I talk about it a lot, but a, a big misalignment and what I appreciate. And I always want to balance this on the podcast because I don't want to parade a season of women who have all created their own businesses that have all gone out on their own thing. Good grief. This is hard. Mm -hmm. I could not say that (laughs) loudly or more clearly. This is not the easy path. No, it is not. And I'll leave it. I'll leave it at that, except to say leaving the industry is an option. Leaving your current job is an option. Renegotiating your current job is an option. What I love about you in particular is that you have no agenda. You are not there to try to convince someone not to make a move or to make a move. You only exist to listen and to process and be that mirror, if you will, to reframe what you're hearing and what you're seeing. And I just, who doesn't need that right now? So many (laughs) of us are in, are in transition. Thank you. And I would just offer to that note that when you're in transition, here's the thing. At the end of the day, you, you probably know what you want. It's just 
how do I do it? it? When we swirl in the fear and the questions, right? How do I do it? Can I do it? Do I deserve it? Do I not like, you know, women, we, we should all over ourselves. I do that too. That's my thing. I say that to my clients all the time. Don't should, don't should all over yourself and stop yourself. Let's talk about why these questions are coming up and let's help you make a decision because you're right. I also, I am never pushing a client to leave corporate America to jump ship because it is not for everyone. And I'd like to say also, while hundred percent of these women come to me because their company is not offering flexibility. 100% of them have successfully transitioned or in the process of transitioning and are actively accepting offers, actively interviewing, or are in new jobs that are supporting them, mm. that are offering them flexibility, that gave them more pay, that are recognizing them as a human being and as a professional. So it is there. And every person, that decision looked very different. So my clients, they stayed and got promoted. Some clients left completely and found new jobs. Some clients left industries and changed change jobs and industries. So to your point, every person that transition is very unique to you. And you need to be able to process those questions and the shoulds and make the right decision. Because I agree, this side of the table is not easy either. None of it's easy. It's just really what is the, the transition that's going to support you and your life and the season that you're in. Um, and I'm I'm throwing this out there because this is a, a seed that I've planted with you. And interestingly, this is not the first time I'm making this suggestion on the podcast <laughs> this season. I am a big believer that we do a really good job in the corporate world about, well, I won't say we do a really good job, but we acknowledge health insurance. And now we're talking about pet insurance and we talk about disability <laughs> insurance and sort of all of these, we're, we're no longer touting the ping pong table in the break room as a, right. as a perk, right? That has kind of gone by the wayside. But when it comes to actually reaching your employees where they are, what if this sort of a service was available to an employee while she was still employed as an employee benefit so that she could figure this out? And frankly, to me, that shows a huge investment in her and her well-being, even if mm -hmm. she decided to leave. What's the expense of the company versus what's the potentially better right. outcome that they're going to have because she feels supported along the way? I think it's a missed opportunity. I really do. I would agree. And and again, smart companies and progressive companies um, recognize this and do offer it as a benefit and are bringing coaches like me into the workplace and are offering this as a benefit because there's also a lot of research about this, that especially women in leadership and who are managers, they have such impact and influence on retention and engagement for the rest of the organization. So not only does this benefit the woman in that role, but you are then having a positive ripple effect throughout the organization because now Meg as a leader and as a manager is getting supported by a coach to work through all of these questions in her own career. And by virtue of that, Meg is now more present and can actually listen to her team and be present with her team and solve problems with her team and not be reactive. So there's a lot of stats out there. Um, this McKinsey report that I'm sharing about today also has a whole section of their report dedicated to why bringing in coaches and supporting women leaders is important for all of these reasons and more. I love it. One of the first hurdles I had when I started out was coaching wasn't really a thing in the insurance industry. And so I got a lot of, oh, you're a life coach. And sometimes, honestly, sure. I am. I mean, that's, we go anywhere my clients want to go when we're in our individual sessions. And sometimes that's where we go. 
but it's taken, I mean, I'm four plus years in now and Mm -hmm. only now have I started to see coaching becoming more of an, an accepted learning style or learning environment. And obviously I believe in it. I've seen, this is not me sales pitching on myself, but I've seen when I've worked with coaches, I've seen the transformation. There's a difference between going in and chatting with a friend at the office about your struggles. And there's a difference being able to go into a private space and discuss those same troubles. It's different. And I don't think some people, I think, still don't quite understand how coaching works and what the benefit is. And a lot of people go instantly to mental health and therapy. And I get that. And I respect that. And I, once again, yet again, we'll talk about my love for therapy. Like, please go. (laughs) But I think it's very healthy for those rising leaders and frankly, anybody on their career journey, even if it's just a a one-off, I'm struggling. I'm at a pivot point. I'm at an intersection. I'm not sure which way to go. I don't know that our friends and colleagues have all the answers. And I don't know that a coach does either, but it's a completely different environment to be saying those things out loud. I'm a believer in it. And the more I hang out with people like you and and our, (laughs) our mutual network continues to grow, it gives me hope frankly, that jobs are becoming less and less places we have to go where we kind of check our personal values at the door and they become more of a reflection of who we are. And that's really powerful. I would agree. And, you know, I also am on the, of the sentiment of therapy, coaching, all of it, like it is needed. It's deeply needed. And here's what I would say in terms of coaching, I use the analogy sometimes of personal trainer. So most people, I would say at some point in their life have been on a fitness journey and have a goal and you can do it on your own. All of us, especially in this day and age, there is a not a shortage of information of how you can do things on your own. But if you have a personal trainer, they are going to maximize your results in a shorter amount of time, right? So when you go to the gym, You're not standing there in the middle of the floor like I've done before going, okay, which machine is actually going to work? How do I use it? Am I going to hurt myself? Okay, fine. I just quit. I'm going home, right? No, instead you go in and you know exactly which machine to go to, how long, what to do, how to do it, when to do it, how often or not often you're in, you're out, and it's way less time than you standing there wandering around by yourself. So coaching is the exact same idea. Your career, whether again, you're trying to transition and grow in your career, get a promotion, exit a career, start whatever the case may be. There's a million directions you can go and there's a million ways that you can do it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. And uh, if you pay for it, you're more likely to use it. I don't know about you, but the times I've had a personal trainer, you better believe I was there on time because I paid for it. I mean, we're all motivated differently, right? hundred percent. And I'm, I'm, you guys, I'm a coach and I have an inbox full of free resources that have not been opened, but do I pay my coach every month to talk to her? (laughs) Yes, I do. And my therapist? Yes, I do. Because my coach says, when you pay, you pay attention. There's Mm. just a natural buy-in, right? You're exchanging, um, you're exchanging value with each other, Mm -hmm. right? And so you both have a buy-in to the outcome and not just monetarily, but you're both and committing to that result to each other. So Yes, I would agree with that. I love it. Um, Which reminds me, you have, is it a weekly 
newsletter that you're putting out. Um, I'm on your list. I think I'm seeing it weekly. Um, it's great. Yes. Thank you. I do. I have a weekly newsletter that I send out to people. And also I post content on LinkedIn every single day as well. You are my LinkedIn. (laughs) I want to be you when I grow up. I just, Oh, thank you. It's a lot of work. You're so consistent. I am not consistent. I go in, I go in waves where I'm all about it. And then I just, it's an emotional thing. I, I just have to check out sometimes. It's, it's a I, lot. It's fair. It's fair. Yeah. Um, but I, I like the newsletter because it's very much written by you, which sounds obvious, but it's not always <laughs> with emails, right? But it's your voice and it's your ideas. And I will share the links to subscribe because I think it's a really great way for, for someone to get to know you before they fully commit. Um, because Thank I you. know, I love that. yeah. Um, and I know making the decision to work with someone like you, or even just to say out loud, change is hard. It's just fundamentally hard and it's uncomfortable (laughs) and it's easy to stay where we are and it's comfortable to stay in one place. And I, I have certainly, I like how you talk about chapters and seasons because I've absolutely been in that place where it's, there was a time when I was going through my divorce where my career was on autopilot. Yeah. I just needed to show up and get paid. And I've been there and we're all there at different points in our life. And I think knowing that when the time is right and when the energy is right and when the planets align and all of that good stuff that, that people like you are out there doing good work is just, it's a, we're in a really, you know, I'm really hard on the world right now, but it's a really cool time. I mean, there are resources and ideas and people and the sharing of information that we do now and the level at which we do it, it can be hard sometimes to consume Mm -hmm. as much as we do, but it's also can feel, it can feel very supportive when you need it too. So yeah. I would agree. I would agree. Well, thank you so much for letting me talk to your, your community and share with them and to please reach out. I'm here to chat. You're the best. It's the home stretch, friends. We're wrapping up season five of the podcast. One more episode to go. If you haven't already, please head on over to insureequality.org and check out the great work that our friends over there are doing to change the experience that each of us are having in the insurance industry. One of the ways that I decided to show my support, I bought a t-shirt. It's going to look really cool with my new mom jeans, which I don't know. I don't know if they're cool or not. If you see me and I look completely ridiculous... I mean, the shirt's going to be great. The jeans are, I don't know. We'll just, we'll just see how that goes. You know where to head, insureequality.org. We'll see you soon.